Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches, where we cover five of the most interesting data breaches from this last week. Uh, I'm Steve. Vivia. Frank. Jerry. Jerry, sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm John Stilley. Paul. Great. Awesome. Uh, we took a little hiatus. So welcome to season two. Uh, season two, we've got a new recording studio. We've just moved rooms. Uh, we've got a slightly new crew. Uh, maybe not today, but you'll see some of our new crew in the next episode. And we'll be changing the format up a little bit. Uh, so, Debbie, it's been a few months. Yes, it has. Uh, have there been any data breaches? Oh, yeah. Data breaches happen every day, and that's just the world we live in. But uh, starting this first uh, episode of the new season, we're going to jump right into the Uber data breach, where uh, Uber's ex-CSO verdict raises thorny issues of cyber governance and transparency. So the chief security officer of the ride-sharing firm is seen uh, by many as a scapegoat for an unsupervised and unaccountable, for, uh, unaccountable corporate culture. I believe that he tried to hide the fact that they were breached a couple times and he paid like hackers $100,000 in Bitcoin and made them sign an NDA, totally works. Uh, that's my hot take, what's yours? You may want to hide the Excel formulas.pdf that you're showing everyone. Oh, I did it for you, but go ahead. Okay. Um, so Excel formulas aside, um, so this this is not a straightforward case. This is very controversial. Uh, I don't know all the intimate details, but I'm uh, pretty against this ruling. Um, even if people can justify a criminal ruling for what should very obviously be a civil matter. Uh, I think that this is uh, just a toxic relationship between the entire U.S. business world and CISOs. Yep. So I'm going to make two quick points. Um, one, I don't know how he got them to sign an NDA when he didn't know who they, who they were. That's fascinating to me. Like, there's a whole new world of legal documents now. Well, they, they signed you. as, like, dark crypt and, like, butt lore, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I, I would actually hope they signed themselves as a meme or an NFT even. Yeah. Right? Like, here, here's my NFT that I signed with. Um, so that's fascinating to me. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this case is the CSO was charged, mm -hmm. but he had actually made the rest of the executive team aware of the situation. Mm -hmm. And they got away. And, and I guess some of the nuances around like, it was during an investigation already for prior data breaches. So they thought it was like hiding more information, but he made the rest of the executive team aware, right? So I, I feel like it's either everybody's culpable or nobody is. And they just singled him out. And to drill into your second point, the article revealed that they not only you know, made him the scapegoat, but they basically agreed that 
higher level executives would never be prosecuted, but they could push the blame down onto the next level of executives. Right. Which is pretty heinous. I mean, this is the, the death of the CISO. Uh, if, if this stands, and I, I hope it, it doesn't, that this is the CISO can exist. You, you can't have all of the C level executives get off scot free, except for one dude who goes to prison, right? Yeah. Like, hey, great job, lots of perks. You're an executive, you're C level. You might go to jail, but like, you know, you'll have a good year, year and a half. Like, no one's going to sign up for that. Well, that's why um, CISO is career is soon over and CIO is career, career is over. <laughs> I, I thought it was chief inmate uh, security. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so I also oh, draw exactly. like, there's another piece of the language in that article, which I thought was interesting, was like, CISOs are now trying to put language into their contracts right. to make them not culpable, yeah. right? And it reminds me so much of like my kindergartner going on a field trip and it's like, we're not responsible for anything. Well, if you beat my child on a field trip, you're still liable. Like regardless of what you put in legal language, you're still liable. So, you know, I see both sides, but, but yeah, I, I agree with Steve. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous where it's gone. If, if you're not going to hold everybody accountable, especially since he made them aware. Well, and, and there's been a lot of analysis on this. And, and there's, there's a lot of reasons why this, this is a shit case. Um, but one of the things is, and I don't know if any of this is true. I'm just reading the analysis. I, I don't know the intimate details. Uh, they said that he's also a lawyer. And so he actually had a client confidentiality that he couldn't breach. And so uh, he was a CISO and he still maintained his law um, with the bar. Um, and, uh, and he couldn't disclose certain things now, now, like who knows if that's true and what he could or could not disclose, but like, it's not simple, right? Like that, this is a very technical, intricate case. Uh, even the case that it's like, well, he paid hackers and made them sign an NDA. What's the difference between that and a bug bounty where you pay the bug finder and then you make them sign an NDA. It's literally the same. So th this is not cut and dry. Anyone who thinks that this is a very easy case is, is sorely mistaken. And I, I just think it, it adds to the toxic relationship. You can't have the security team be responsible for all security. Everyone else fights against them. And then they go to jail. Like that doesn't work. I find it, I find it hard to believe that um... He's he's being he's being the one singled out, and um, the company is isn't backing backing him at all, uh, and 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 he didn't make the, this decision on his own. I, there's no way I don't believe that. Um, he had to have some of that upper management that now gets to avoid the charges uh, in court, and this guy's getting screwed. I think so. I agree with you, Steve. There's Especially a funny Uber. So, sorry, Frank. Go ahead. There's a funny paragraph here uh, saying there's a long-running joke in the security community that the S in CISO does not stand for security; it stands for scapegoat. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, um, yeah. I, I can tell how hard companies uh, try to keep their reputation untouched, 
by the huge inventive and, and creativeness uh, of the euphemisms they often use when they are asked uh, over a breach allegation, uh, you know, words like uh, cyber incident, IT problem, uh, privacy issue usually come up. Now, I would say, uh, let's not be too harsh on this man. Uh, say he was a scapegoat or thus that, that those supposed hackers were cover-ups for the sake of the company's reputation. Maybe we can call this, I don't know, uh, a white hat CISO misunderstanding. A misunderstanding with months in jail. All right, let's move on. Number two. Well, all right. Uh, so moving on to number two, pretty recent, you guys, and this is the Microsoft story. Interesting. So Microsoft data breach exposes customers' contact info and emails. Uh, this, the company secured the server after being notified of the leak on September 24th. And uh, the misconfiguration resulted in the potential for unauthenticated access to some business transaction data corresponding to interactions between Microsoft and prospective uh, customers. Um, I think there was a tenant where they were saying that our investigation found no indication customer accounts or systems were compromised, and we have directly notified the affected customers. Yeah, I, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> exactly. If there was nobody, nobody implicated in it, how does that work? Hey, hey, Divya, can you read the last sentence in that paragraph? Redmond added. Yes. So Redmond added that the leak was caused by the unintentional misconfiguration on an endpoint that is not in use across <laughs> the Microsoft ecosystem and not a security vulnerability. Um, I feel like this is security training 101, but what are you say what? Well, they said that they also they also said that you know the invest investigation didn't find any you know any any fault from them, and then they go on further and say that the there was exposed information. So they're they're saying one thing, and then down further in the in the article they say another thing. You know, what, like what they're saying is, well, we we have a perfectly secure system, except when people do things outside of the system, which isn't our system, and we're still secure because it's outside. And an employee did that, but they that's thats an employee's problem. They misconfigured it. Also, they didn't do anything wrong. Nothing's bad, everything's fine. And we let all the affected individuals know there's about 65,000. Well, so so they they what they did, I believe, is they filled in the data breach Mad Lib like if you did that as a kid and they had engineering fill out half and their marketing team fill out the other half. We, we legally have to tell you that 65,000 people were impacted by nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yes. Because that endpoint device is not used in our infrastructure. <laughs> we do not recognize that as a sovereign endpoint and therefore we don't have to abide by any of the rules. Yeah, That's it, right. it, it's Microsoft. I mean, if... Yeah. if if anyone's surprised by another data breach by Microsoft, like welcome to the internet. Um, and uh, they can try to blame misconfigurations all day, but the fact of the matter is that uh, companies that try to build perfect security, that doesn't go well when they meet people. And there's a lot of people that work at Microsoft, someone messed up 
And instead of being like, oh, we messed up, sorry. They're like, well, like we're still perfect. This is just a mistake that was out of our control as if their employees are out of their control. And let's be honest, the number one rule in anything you're publishing to the internet should be nobody sees it, let the people who need to see it see it, right? And well, they did not follow that. They, they thought that they could make it be on the internet, but keep it private and it would be fine. Like, I, I think that well, I saw something about this and I could be wrong, but it looked like somebody who had access to Shodan, like, like this is really just Shodan. Shodan found yet another exposed S3 bucket or yet another exposed Elasticsearch. It just happened to be Microsoft's. And they're like, well, we didn't expect anyone to find it. It's like, well, welcome to the internet. There's internet <laughs> scanners that go on all the time if you connect it publicly to the internet, like that's your fault. Um, and so somebody found it, they let Microsoft know, and then Microsoft had to go and, and bite the bullet and, and say, oh, we exposed stuff. But then their lawyers got involved and said, oh, we really didn't, so. It, you know. It's a beautiful world of security through obscurity, which never works. Right, right. That's, that, that's, that's what this boils down to. Right. Yeah, you, you can like, drop. We notified, we notified everyone about Microsoft being breached, and like none of our customers like yeah. what? Yeah. You shock me, hack notice. Yeah. Shocked. They're like, oh, again. <laughs> Not even Microsoft is free from leaving one of those buckets open. Then what is left for the rest of us mortals? Yeah. I mean, someone has to come up with a solution for this matter. I don't know, a kind of an alert, uh, like the one we need to keep us from drunk texting an ex or something. <laughs> like close that bucket and you, don't- you, you, need, you need the 15 minute Gmail. Are you sure you want to send that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that? Shame right? for getting breached, right? Like it's yeah. our fault. Yep. Well, yeah, not, not much more to say other than I also didn't see what they were going to do to make the situation better, right? Not not even a free year of ID theft. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty weak from like the world's largest company. I can feel bad now that I had like Excel PDF formulas downloaded on my computer screen. Like I kind of want to not support. Microsoft? Yes. So, so, so I have one other question. I'm just going to throw this out there because, you know, maybe I'm misinterpreting the article, but it looks like they got data from 2017 all the way to 2022. Like, was it misconfigured that long and they just still didn't find it? I, I think that engineers test data was live data from the last five years, which is its own yeah. massive problem. Uh, I completely agree. So like they found it in September, the data's from 2017 to August of 2022. Like that's a huge time period. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for the bourbon break. And for this bourbon break, we've got a fun one. We've got High West Distilleries, High West Whiskey, 
the American Prairie Bourbon Barrel Select. Now, not only uh, do they have that, but they have a barrel number, a bottle number, and a percent of alcohol. So this is a 102% uh, or 102 proof, 51% uh, bourbon. Um, Debbie, what do you know about this bourbon? Okay, uh, first thing I know about them is confusion because um, uh, <laughs> not because they're, I'm drinking They're it, pretty specific. But I don't find the High West whiskey under it. Okay. There's only High West bourbon. Do you see American Prairie bourbon on it? I do not. Okay. So I do have the total wine pulled up though. Okay. So should I just do that? Let's just show their general site and then okay. we can show the total wine stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so about this, this is not it, uh, about this bourbon, High West. So I'm going to show you all a little preview. This is what their website looks like. Um, this is not exactly the, the bourbon that Steve is tasting today, uh, but it seems like this is a 92 proof one. But on total wine, however, it runs for about $27.99. And uh, they say that it's from Utah. High West Passion brings us this complex blend of straight bourbons aged from two to 13 years in charred white oak barrels, producing an aromatic whiskey. Balanced flavors of candy corn, honey nougat, and sweet corn bread biscuits with a finish of vanilla and caramel apple. Uh, ABV is 46%. Taste, they describe it as light, spiced, and balanced. Uh, I saw one review and there's like a couple of reviews everyone's like very good bourbon slightly fruity not like bourbon blah blah <laughs> one dude was like gave me a terrible headache so i don't know about that part that guy actually just uh he he had a personal problem and died so yeah. had nothing to do with the bourbon yeah. um That's this so this one's a little bit different than the one uh that debbie just pulled up they have animals on the labels. This one, uh, this one looks like some sort of weird deer. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, we have uh, a limited release. So this is like a barrel select. They say the barrel number, this is bottled for the High West fans of Texas. Uh, this was finished for 11 months in a Scotch barrel. So they're doing some aging, which is interesting. Uh, this is, I believe, uh, they produced it themselves. I could be wrong, but I believe they are distilling it themselves. Um, I've also been to Park City, Utah, which is where this comes from, great skiing place. Uh, I don't believe it existed uh, back then. So this uh, looks to be a newer distillery. Um, overall, I've enjoyed this bourbon um, to talk, talk about it a little bit. On the nose, you're getting more vanilla, uh, not not corny, um, you know, just nice mild vanilla. Um, you do get some heat. Uh, you're going to get some heat all the way through. Lingering finish, sort of a, a nice, pleasant, uniform taste, uh, doubling down more on vanilla oak. You're not getting uh, corn. You're not getting um, any other more aggressive notes. It's it's pretty smooth, but it's hot. So uh, I think this is a great bourbon, uh, great for mixing, great for sipping. 
Um, I don't recall exactly how much it was. I think it was a slightly higher price point because it was a limited release. Um, but I, I think it's it's certainly worth a try. Um, you know, from what I can tell, this is not just a bourbon that's branded. Uh, I believe they're distilling, or if they are sourcing, they're they're re-aging, which adds some interesting characteristics to it. So I, I would try it out if, if you can get access to it. So I was looking it up. Um, apparently, they are a full distillery in Utah, founded in 2006, and um, they sold out to Constellation Brands in 2016. Okay, so they may... They may be sourcing from Constellation, but I don't have yep. any indication that that this particular one is sourced, but it does not say bottled in bonds. Um, but it, it, it's good. I'm enjoying it. So. Oh, I think it is sourced. Is it sourced? Undisclosed source. Okay, so so it is sourced, but they're re-aging, which is better than just sourcing and selling. Yeah. I saw your note. Bye, Paul. Bye guys. Have a great weekend. Bye. All right. So uh, that's our bourbon break. Fun one. Interesting. I think it's a really good start to uh, season two. And we've got some uh, pretty cool bourbons coming up uh, throughout the season. But uh, Divya, back to you. Awesome. I like the way that the light reflects in the bottle, by the way. Yeah. So the bottle, I don't know if you can tell, but the bottle's got this weird finish to it. And it's it's pris prismatic glass you you can definitely see in the video okay you, you can so definitely it's, see it's prismatic glass it's also like it's misshapen like the bottom like that they're going for just like a handmade bottle look but between like that and spending 10 more bucks on aging it i'd rather have the aging but it's it's a it's a cute bottle it's it's a nice trick Awesome. Okay. I'm going to move on to story three, personal favorite, because I should be a victim of this. So um, she and owner was fined 1.9 million for failing to notify 39 million users of data breach. Now, interesting story. Uh, this is a data breach from 2018 and it's putting uh, Sheehan under the spotlight. Sheehan has recently also been, uh, you know, like shamed for the worker conditions that have been going on. Uh, but I would like to say, I remember walking into work one day and Steve's like, hey, do you know Sheehan? And I was like, yes. And then he's like, we just got a hack notice that they got popped. And I was like, oh. So I knew through hack notice that Sheehan was popped, but they didn't disclose anything to me. So I personally feel that my data is out there and I'm a victim of this situation. What are your thoughts? I, so, I looked it up, it's out there. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I feel like 1.9 million for 39 million. Fuck that. That's like, what is that? That's like two cents a user. That's absurd. Like talk talk about uh, an ineffective. Plus, they're in fast fashion. Like one point nine million is like a Monday. Like I'm glad they're being fined, but come on, can, can we have some real consequences to data breaches? To, to, to be a little bit fair, that's New York only. 
So I was going to bring well, this no, but, up. But like, that's the only fine they've received. Yeah. No one else right. is so, doing So why? Yes, I would agree. Why isn't everybody else coming up with 1.9 for each state? And let's go back to our first story. The CSO never went to jail for this. I, the, this, right. this, this is not throw people in jail. This is hold Good. companies accountable it's yeah. the cost of not disclosing and not protecting is so high, you actually do something about it. But if, if I see this, I say, cool, I'm going to not invest in my security department because worst case scenario, it's like 1.9 million. That's like, you know, for Sheehan, they're, they're like, oh, great. Like, let's unfund the security department. Let's just plan on being breached and then we'll just pay the fine. We don't have paid fake hackers to deviate the investigation this time. You gotta give them that. Yeah, that, that, that's true. They they didn't pay any hackers. They 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 only paid the state of New York 1.9 million for 39 million people's information. Well, that's a detail. I, I I would take that money. Like, if 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 the state of New York wants to sell me 39 million people's information yeah. at two cents a pop, sure, I'll take it. And why isn't every state also joining in on this, right? And and you said it because they're not interested. But but that's we got to get there, right? We we have to hold them accountable. Exactly what you said. Especially foreign corporations. Like I I I'm more mad about the U.S. putting a U.S. CISO in jail for a US data breach, like if you're going to have any consequences, it should be a Chinese company leaking US records. Like that, that's where like stiffer penalties for international companies coming in and fucking shit up, right? Like you, you, you just can't do that. And their, their revenue in 2020 was $10 billion. Right. That's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. What, you know, so what I may have for. I may have another caveat to the story as well. Like it, it explicitly calls out New York prosecutes these people left and right, right? They get their fines, et cetera, but they also don't publicly disclose disclose the data. Right. Yeah. Which I think is interesting, right? Like the rest of the states very did. interesting. Right. Yeah, so they go, they they go after the fines, people. they go after everything, like. We need an open data system so everybody's sharing data. Well, that's what we're all about. Neither does GDPR. For for all that the EU says they do to protect the consumer, they never let the consumer know who's leaking their data. So so if you live in Europe, you can't make an informed choice. If Ryanair could allegedly be leaking your data every Tuesday, right? Like data leak Tuesday, hey, here's some more data. And you'd never know because the GDPR never discloses, allegedly. Allegedly. Did, did you just create a new hashtag, Data Leak Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Just want to make sure. Hardy hard. <laughs> so, I mean, like, is it possible they know my pants size by now? You know, everyone knows my pants size. I know. From Bonobos. Yeah, yeah Bonobos. Yeah, so, like, welcome to the club. Like, Let's go. They know my pants size. Bonobos what? leaked everything. Um, 
including like gift cards and sweet little notes from like people that sent me gift cards. Aww. Yeah. I'm gonna stop commenting at this time. I, I, I want to know what those notes mean. Happy birthday. Hope you don't commit. Happy birthday, sweetie. Yeah. Oh. Like all of it. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Well, that's unfortunate. We're going to move on to story number four. Optus, Optus, Optus. Um, now, Optus is telling customers affected by their data breach that they can no longer use passports as their online ID. Um, Optus is an Australian real estate company. And uh, they were told, like their customers were told that they would not need a new passport after their documents were compromised in the recent data breach. And uh, they have been notified that they can no longer use this document for online identification. Uh, Daniel readers, like this is just like a case study whose password was one of those uh, 100,000 people exposed in the Optus hack have been told that all was well and that he did not need to start the process to receive a new passport. What do you have to say about this story? I What's think that? What's that? Yeah. Go ahead, please. No, I just, I was like, I think it's just totally bizarre. Like, imagine like you've been leaked, but it's like, don't panic. You don't yeah. need to <laughs> I was thinking the same. Was that all is well, meaning don't worry, we're taking care of it, or, or no, all is well, like until then, you no longer exist to us. Well, well but but it, it's even worse because because they they contradict themselves. They're like everything's fine. You don't need a new passport. Also, we don't trust your passport, right? Because it's been leaked and anyone could have it. So you got to use a different form of identification. So we've made your passport useless. Yeah. But you don't need a new one, right? Because then we would be liable. Yeah. And now, and now they're they're saying that nothing is wrong, but now they're um, ramping up their efforts to tighten up privacy, privacy and security laws. Why weren't they doing this before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and again, what are they doing for the victims, right? Like. Hey Jerry, I just sold your passport for five dollars to a guy on the street. Um, it sucks to be you, yeah. but like I'm not gonna do anything about it. So, right. like again, the consumer fit, foots the bill, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing is all these governments don't understand that the consumer is footing the bill and the more you let your citizens be preyed on, the less that they feel like they can trust the government. And this will have real consequences. I, I think that trust in the US government's at an all time low. And I think that the government's inaction on robocalls and spam and phishing and SIM swapping and hackers everywhere is directly related. If the U.S. government was daily, like, like busting in doors, throwing hackers in jail, protecting people, I think you'd see a very different sentiment. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's move on to the last story of the evening. So this one is also fine-based story, and uh, this is about New York again. And uh, New York finds IMED $4.5 million for 2020 email hack uh, data breach. 
Um, so this time they say that they're going to pay 4.5 in penalty. And uh, I'm kind of curious as to how many people were breached. Oh, let's see. Because if Sheehan was slapped with a $1.9 million mm -hmm. fine. So 2.1 million people. Okay. And Sheehan had 39 million users. Yes. So, so, you know, to jump right in here, uh, no, a, a 2.1 million people from IMED should not be more expensive than a foreign company coming in and leaking 39 million. Just, just shouldn't happen. Um, I really don't know what's going on now. Is that a new character? <laughs> um, yeah, the the. Well, I don't know. Certainly, this this has been the the main thing for for many BNBs. Um, but it never ceases me to it never ceases to amaze me how uh, a single employee compromised account turns into such a painful snowball of doom because it started with one guy being compromised and then it 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 went up to what did you say 2.1 million yeah. i mean it, it's not the same um comparing I, I gotta agree with you, but anyway, uh, it's the, the proportion it, it takes. It's uh, it's incredible. I, I I like that phrase, snowball of doom. That's that's a, uh, yeah, that's a good that's, one that's for uh, <laughs> that's a good one for the story. But yeah, like you know, why is IMED paying two bucks a user and a ten billion dollar Chinese? companies paying two cents a user. Yeah. Right? That that's a hundred X difference per user. So what what are we saying as as a society that we're going to punish our own harsher than international companies who just don't give a shit? Well it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I I would say what would be even more painful and a way better response is if you're an international company and you leak a mass amount of U.S. documents, you're banned from the U.S. for a year. Yeah. You, you've proven yourself irresponsible to be in the U.S. market. You're banned from the market for a year. Come back in a year when you're ready to behave. And that's way more than two million for shit, right? Mm -hmm. That would be like. 200 million in lost revenue easy so more. or more right yeah. like i would say their revenue comes like 20 to 30 percent from us alone because everybody out here shops on shiet and and i don't i don't know if new york can do it but new york you're a major uh market like start banning international companies right like u.s companies we're in the u.s like with it's our home turf you can't ban us but international companies like they they're visitors they, they should be on their best behavior u.s is Shein's second largest market by total usage but it's the largest market by revenue yeah. so it's like 
y'all need to charge like find these people more and not let them be involved in uh selling their shit out here i i think that all of this should be paid into a fund that is used for active defense for U.S. corporations. Because what's happening right now is U.S. corporations are being preyed on. The federal government doesn't do anything. In fact, federal government is most likely to throw you in jail as proven by Uber or anyone who even contemplates hack back, right? So the U.S. is constantly on defense. No one's helping. There needs to be stiff penalties for companies like Shein. That money should then be used for collective U.S. like cyber defense. And buying hack notice, just a side note, just saying. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and the cyber insurance carriers are making a killing with all of these things going on. And now that like with all of this stuff going on, also they've altered their terms and conditions to lay off and be like, oh, if you get breached, we are really not gonna give you the dividends because you're bankrupting us. So they really essentially get to do nothing and they're still making money because they still need, everybody still needs cyber insurance. So it's just, it's just, yeah, it's messy. This 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 has been an episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches. If you liked what you saw today, you can thank B for editing. Uh, if you hated everything you saw today, you probably work in the New York AG's office and we're sorry. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>